We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Boyega Adebayu, welcome to the show. Sorry, thanks for having me. I got it right, right? (laughs) Adebayo, but it was close enough. Oh, the only (laughs) thing I have to get right is the name and I screw it up. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> I actually, I actually get very excited when I hear a new mispronunciation. Oh, I mean, well, it gets me so excited. So. I'm, I'm impressed, man. Because like you know, I have a funny first name, and what I do is I put the phonetic spelling in my signature, just because pe- one people have asked me, and two, you know, I'm a thoughtful person. I thought it was like a little bit weird, and then people are like, no, 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 like. Very you're not thoughtful. that guy. Yeah, it's thoughtful. You're not that guy. You're not being like, oh, you got to pronounce my name right because people announce it all wrong all the time. So I can appreciate <laughs> new, new, new pronunciations of my name as well. So thank yeah. you so much to be on the show. Thanks for your thoughtfulness and your kindness on me <laughs> almost getting your name right. You're a yeah. founder of a startup podcaster. You run a small boutique consulting firm. You're doing all sorts of interesting things. It was Great to be on your show. I think we recorded that yesterday, the Be Helpful podcast, and just really, really excited to talk with you about entrepreneurship and your journey. But before we get into all that greatness, why don't you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Well, first, Jari, thanks for having me. I thought long and hard about this question. It all started in a small booger greenhouse in Richmond, Virginia. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to go that far back. How did I come to do what I'm doing today? I think the long and short of it is I've always known that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Excuse me. My parents owned businesses growing up. My mom had her own accounting firm. My, my dad ran an African art and clothing store. So I've always been around business and entrepreneurship. And as I got older and went to college, I just focused on developing new skills, started my career in kind of this tech finance space, but I always had the back of my mind, 
I'm going to run a business one day. I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of start my own company. I'm going to run it. And so I very much thought about my career in the lens of picking up skill sets to start my eventual company. Had no idea what, what would it be. Thought it was going to be a consulting company. Thought it was going to be kind of this random tech startup, but ultimately it kind of is both, which is interesting. But I think the long and short of it is I just went through my career and uh, maybe it's my Nigerian parents. I only know one speed. So I was on the fast track of my career and it wasn't until, you know, the pandemic had everyone have this collective mid-career crisis and say, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And so I kind of took the step back and created a plan for myself to transition out of working full-time into being a full-time entrepreneur. And so I've been a full-time entrepreneur for about a year. It's pretty idiotic to try to start three companies at the same time. <laughs> well, I don't think I'd use those terms, but if you want to use those terms, you can. <laughs> well, well, my, 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 one of my life sayings, I got it from a Nike commercial is it's only crazy until you do it. And so there's a, there's a level of craziness that I accepted when, you know, when starting this. And I think over the last year, I've learned that being able to focus is very powerful, very important. And so I'm strategizing and figuring out ways to put, put things on simmer while I focus and have one thing on high heat. And so that's one of the things that I'm working on right now. Oh, that's actually a really good analogy, the simmer versus high heat, because, yeah. you know, even though, okay, it sounds crazy to start three things at once. Well, I mean, I would probably argue that they're like all aligned to the same goal. Correct. It's just, you know, they're just different work streams. It's that's, that's a one thing I think a lot of entrepreneurs really have a struggle with. I mean, I do, I have too many ideas in my head. It's sometimes hard to like focus. Yeah. But the analogy of, you know, simmering and turning the heat up, I really like that one because I think it's, if, if they are aligned in a way that makes sense, I mean, you got to eat, right? You got to, yeah. <laughs> you just can't like be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Yay. No, it's like you got a family and you yeah. got responsibilities, you know, I like, get it. I, I just, I'm curious how you've, you've, approach you know you've been doing it a year it's a big jump you know yeah. safety security of some you know corporate gig with great awesome bad corporate coffee or whatever what was <laughs> what what's it been like the last year and, and how you know how have you what have you learned what's been a surprise what's been yeah what's worked what hasn't worked i mean i'm curious so what hasn't worked is trying to go full speed with all three that has not worked that is the fastest way to burn out and exhaustion to your point that my business <clears throat> excuse me my business is very much intertwined the podcast i actually started two years ago and it's very similar to, to your show it's focused on aspiring entrepreneurs and early stage business ownership and my startup is targeting that audience and serving that audience. So in many ways you could think of it as my business has a podcast, but really they're two separate entities. And then my consulting is I built up this experience over 10 years and there's still value in the market. And so 
people can hire me to do some independent contract work so I can buy diapers for my 16 month year old, my, my 16 month old. So, so there is kind of this strategy that comes with it. I think the big thing that, that I would say that I learned about myself in the process is, man, I love having coworkers. Entrepreneurship is extremely lonely. And you don't realize that until you're sitting at home and you're just like, man, I got to go to a co-working space. I've got to go somewhere where I interact with people and work with folks. And I started, you know, using this, another saying I picked up over the last year, which is talk to strangers every day. Because as you talk to strangers, not just about what you're working on, you just start seeing the world differently, right? I came from you know, big four consulting, fortune 50 companies where everybody was resourced and kind of everyone just had a job. And maybe you had a side hustle where you were selling something on Etsy, but like no one was really just hustling, so to say, you know? And now I'm in this space where a lot of the people I interact with are either entrepreneurs themselves or they have a job that displays a level of flexibility that my previous jobs didn't. And that has been very appealing. And then that's kind of the world of entrepreneurship, not even entrepreneurship, just the world of the workforce that I really wasn't exposed to. It's like, you think everyone has a nine to five until you don't, and you realize how many people don't have nine to fives. So it's, so, so it has been, it's been educational, but I would definitely say the biggest learning is you often underestimate how much you miss that coworker and workforce culture environment as an entrepreneur, as an early entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Would you consider yourself extroverted? Would that be a good? I would, I would consider myself an introverted extrovert. Oh, I, okay. I love, I love recharging and, you know, being in my own space and at home, mm-hmm. but but I do also find energy from people and I'm genuinely fascinated and curious about people. Mm-hmm. Even at, at a young age, I would probably say that I've, I've gotten very passionate when I see other people's passions. Mm. So I love talking to experts. I don't care what you're an expert in. I'm just fascinated by your love for what you do. And that energy kind of fuels me given the fact that I'm a generalist. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a highly functioning introvert, I think. I, I don't necessarily like to be around people. I mean, I do. I'm really, I mean, part of the reason I have this show is to literally like talk to people. It's like, it's like, ah, you know, and during the pandemic, I, to me, that wasn't as bad. Like, I'm just like, oh, okay. I, I was working from home way before the pandemic ever happened. But it's fascinating because now I've got a consulting gig work for a firm, a small firm in Berkeley that does B2B sales and marketing consulting. And we have an office and we have have coworkers. And I didn't know how much benefit you got from that. You know, I, I can't get any work done. (laughs) I can, you know, I mean, we bounce ideas. I mean, you know, and, and there's of course some people, especially oriented more towards the sales type of people. They just love people, extroverted, you like energy right. feeds. And to me, it's like, that just exhausts me. Like, I just can't, like, just exhausting. <laughs> just, I think part primarily because I just see the world in a different way. Maybe, I don't know, but 
I do think, though, to your point about being around other entrepreneurs, feeding off that energy, when, when I was at 500 Startups, it very much felt like, oh, wow, like some of these people are going to change the world. In fact, some of the people in my cohort actually went off and became unicorns, billion-dollar companies, which you know, that's going on 10, almost 10 years ago, right? So yeah. the yeah. energy is palatable. And I think that's the reason why centers of excellence for entrepreneurship like Silicon Valley, San Francisco, I don't think it'll ever die. I think it's just there's two, the energy and the focus and just the like-minded performance attitude is contagious. And I'm just curious, like, I, I don't even know where are you located? I never asked. So I'm, I'm based out of Chicago. So oh, okay. Chicago, Chicago is, you know, one of those cities that's not you know, tremendously known for its startup ecosystem. It's always, you know, been trying to build it up and expand it. Uh, but I, 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 what I have found is that there is a community, not just on the startup side, but even in the small business side, there's just this strong community of pride for Chicago because it often is one of those the, the you know looked over large city it's, in the country. It's the second city. <laughs> it's, exactly, it's the second city. And so, so yeah, there's. And that's probably one of the things I love about having a podcast is it gives me an excuse to, you know, seek out these individuals or these individuals reaching out to me and whether it's going to my gym and asking the owner, Hey, you want to be on a podcast? And then you get to know them and they start connecting. Oh, you got to talk to this person. It's just some, you're right. There's just an energy that, that you can soak up in exchange when you talk to people that are trying to just figure it out. Cause at the core, that's what we're all doing. Like, it's not this grand master plan. Like we're just figuring it out every single day. And there's something nice around a uh, nice about connecting with, interacting with and collaborating with people that are just constantly just trying to figure out the new thing. Yeah. I think it's that shared experience. I think it's the yeah. shared struggle. I think yeah. is, is, I mean, struggle, I seems like a, oh my gosh, is it really a struggle? Yeah. I mean, in certain aspects it is, but the shared sense of mission and to your point, like we're all trying to figure it out. I don't, I mean, I know a lot of entrepreneurs. I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs and it's amazing how they're just like, well, I guess this is what I'll do today. I don't know what else to do or yeah gosh, I really don't understand this thing or that thing. Cause you know, we create something from nothing. I mean, it, that's a yeah. most, it's a very creative act. You know, I always say we're the creatives of the business world and that is a hard job to do. And I think so much so that, you know, it's just so important to have folks around you that are like in the same environment. I think that's the reason why it's always good to be in places where there's a, there's a density of, of yeah. that. Again, I think that's the reason why places like New York, Chicago, and San Francisco, everyone's doom and gloom. Oh my gosh, they're all going to implode. And I'm like, eh, look, yeah. you know, these cities have been around for millennia, <laughs> you know, hundreds of years, not millennia, I'm sorry, hundreds of years, not millennia. And, you know, they fundamentally have something here. And, and, and I think it's just really good to have that, you know, be, of, you know, the, be of service, like understand it all. I don't know one entrepreneur 
that wouldn't like shout from the top of the rooftop, I need help. Help me with this, you know? Yeah. It seems, and, and, you know, as you know, right? Sorry. The, the other thing that I, I found talking to entrepreneurs as well, we're all overwhelmed. We're all incredibly optimistic about whatever we're working on. We're extremely passionate. But at the same time, it's a wildly generous community. And I don't think people realize that. Like I've talked to coffee shop owners who have said, the coffee shop down the street helped me get started, right? It's, it's just a very helpful and generous community that I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, the first thing is, you know, go into a shell, think about your idea, don't talk to anybody, don't interact with anyone. And I find that the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial communities tend to be like, hey, bring your stuff, let's work it out. We're all problem solvers at the core and we want to help each other out. And so I, I, I find that you're right, those city community centers where entrepreneur, entrepreneurs also didn't congregate are valuable. But even if you're in, you're in a small town, I would encourage people to just find the business owners in your space and create like a small community as well, because you'd be shocked at how helpful those folks may be and willing to just assist you, even if they're your competitors. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, there's a coffee shop here in San Francisco called Andy Town, and mm -hmm. it's out in the outer sunset in downtown. Great place. I love it. I go there every weekend. But I have a friend, Phil, not a Phil's Coffee, but Phil Phil. <laughs> he, he has a coffee company called Sunset Roasters, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, I'd buy coffee from Phil because Phil's my friend. He makes good coffee, you know, whatever. But, you know, we chat a lot and there's a lot, tons of coffee shops here. And in, in San Francisco, as there is in any big town. And we were talking the other day and he's like, yeah, and blah, blah, blah from Andy Towns helping with this and helping with that. I'm like, well, they're like your direct competitor. And, and to your point, he's like, well, yeah, but, you know, people like to choose different coffee. You know, like they, they like choice and, you know, what the yeah. more coffee shops, the better. I mean, to a point, right? So, yeah, I agree. I think it's like a shows the health of the ecosystem and the community. And I, I really like the idea of community. I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think entrepreneurs as a community, one, are, are, are very generous, very thoughtful at times. But I also think one of the things that we don't do well, which is what I'm trying to do, is like reach out to the rest of the world and the, the people that aren't like us yeah. to help to say, you know, hey, there's not a place on the planet that couldn't benefit from entrepreneurship. Because literally, in my opinion, that's the way the world moves forward. I mean, yeah, you know, communities helping each other out is great. So, anyway, yeah. one one question I have for you, not to yeah, sure. ask you questions on your own show, but I'm curious, just from our conversation yesterday, and just generally in the future, I have this hypothesis that more or less everyone's going to be an entrepreneur, right? I think it's just inevitable that the world of being an employee is going to become very, very special. It's going to be, you know, offered to a select few and everyone's going to more or less have these skills that they use as gigs or independent contractors. So more or less, they're going to have to hunt for what they, what they eat. I'm curious in that evolution, if you agree with that kind of hypothesis, what do you think, how do you think that the current world of entrepreneurship can empower or support this kind of new tranche of entrepreneurs 
who may not be trying to build the next coffee shop or may not be trying to build the next startup, but they just need to have that hustling spirit that entrepreneurs have. I'm curious, what, how do you think about that? Because I think about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I think of it as the entrepreneurial mindset, yeah. which I think part of it is the hustle mindset. I don't necessarily think that everyone has to be an entrepreneur, but I do think everyone should have the entrepreneurial mindset. And mm. what I mean by that is, you know, being curious, contributing to your community, battling the status quo, making sure that you're set up, you personally are set up for any disruption. I think one of the things that really galvanized my my attitude about this is I, I knew a bunch of old engineers. And this was back when I was first starting out. And they were been engineered 20, 25 years, same company, you know, worked at HP, worked at IBM or whatever. Yeah. Didn't know anything else. And they get laid off. Yeah. And they had no idea what to do. Yeah. Right. And I looked at that and my dad was the same way. My dad, he worked at United Airlines, he worked there for 33 years or some crazy. You know, he wanted me to follow in the family business and be work at United, right? Well, I think he we worked there 32 years. He said, Well, I'm gonna retire, you know, when I'm after 35 years. Then 9-11 happened. And they're like, You're retiring early. Yeah. Right? Nothing completely out of his control, yet he, there was no way he could have just if if he was 20 years into his career, I just don't right. think he would have been able to, to pivot, right? So I think the entrepreneur mindset, which includes hustling and being curious and setting yourself up for the inevitable disruption, is the most powerful thing that you can teach people, even if you're never going to like own your own coffee shop, be a startup or whatever. Right. Even, at, even at a job, like you, you were at a big four firm, right? Like you still had in your heart, you're like, you know, there's something I, I need to, you know, God, you know, God forbid, like you need to plan what's going to happen after this, right? Right. I don't think a lot of people plan that. And it's a very, like the mindset matters a lot, right? Because look at, look at what happened during COVID. And the thing that's interesting about COVID and the you know, worldwide experiment on lockdowns and you could be whatever spectrum you are on the political sphere and whatever you right. believe about whatever. And it's a spectrum because most people are on the spectrum of this. Right. Exactly. The thing that I hope people really realize about this, and I actually hope that think about really hard is that in the United States, there were 50 experiments going on, on how to handle a pandemic, economic development, and, you know, communities responding to a pandemic. And so you, you, you to, it, having the entrepreneur mindset and having this hustle mindset and having this like being intellectually honest and really wanting to like learn, knowing that you, you the individual should be like, okay, objectively, what worked and what didn't work, right? Right. And this is this is why entrepreneurship is so powerful because what, what do we see? You, exactly what you see, right? You're like, huh, there's some opportunities here that I need to take advantage of. And I've seen what other people are doing and I don't agree with the way they do it or it didn't work or, or, right. or, right? Like it's the intellectual curiosity. It's the community building. It's the taking it in your hands. Like 
making it your destiny, not someone else telling you what to do. Right. That is just so powerful. And I think the world would be a thousand times better if people just embraced that. I mean, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you yeah. are, where you come from. I mean, it's open to everyone. And it's, I struggle sometimes when, you know, I'm sure you do too. You're just like, oh, do we really have to tell, you know, anyway. But yeah. I'm curious on your end, how, like, you're, you're building a, a startup. And I just, can you tell, talk us a little bit through about how you founded it and like, what was the, yeah. what was the nexus of it? Because a lot of times what people listen to the show and, and what they really want to understand is, is this idea worth pursuing? <laughs> I can never tell them if it is or not. I don't know. Like, what do I know? Right? Well, well, no, I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so my startup is called Yensel. It's like pencil, but with a Y. And the origination or the, the original idea really came from a conversation that I had with my sister. I always joke that I need to come up with a more romantic story, but the truth is I was just sitting at my mom's counter in the kitchen and just kind of working on something. And my sister said, Hey, I need a, like, do you, you're good at Excel. Do you have a thing that does this? I can't even remember what it was. And I was like, yeah, that's easy, but like, just give me your laptop and I can kind of help you kind of put it together. And so she said, you should really think about selling this. Like you're really good at like solving people's Excel problems. And so I was like, well, like what you just asked for is more like, that's like a template. Like somebody could just kind of templatize that. And then I kind of sat and whenever I have an idea or am I thinking about something, my eyes dart. So I start like doing this for like a good 10, 15 minutes. And my sister's just like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, well. I just had an idea. I was like, well, I don't want to freelance because that's just me selling more of my time. But what if there was a website where I could just upload a document and just quickly sell it and that just be a side hustle? I don't have to worry about creating a website. I don't worry. I have to worry about SEO. I don't have to worry about page rank. I could just throw it to this marketplace, basically like an Etsy, but for like actually like professional documents. And it was like, that could be really interesting. And so I do what I think most people do is you call a friend and thankfully I had like my smartest friend, Les is a full stack web developer. And so I call Les, I'm like, Hey, Les, what do you think about this idea? So I tell him, he's like, pretty intriguing. That could be interesting. And then like everybody else, you know, it sits on the shelf for a little while. And so this is probably October, 2019. I've got all kinds of energy. I don't have a, a coding bone in my body. I could have probably gone through some type of, you know, a low code, do it yourself, but I'm still in the mindset of like, Hey, my friend's a developer. He could just build this thing. So I do what I do in terms of like business operations, like, okay, let me start drafting a terms of service and like thinking about how the business can work and how we can monetize. And like, I'm doing all of the businessy things. Late 2019, we get into the pandemic. Everyone's just kind of focused on health and, you know, being locked in their apartments. And after a couple of months, like I said before, you had this mid-career crisis and I just call less and I'm like, hey man, we really got to work on this idea. Because if I'm like anybody else, every person in this profession is second guessing their life right now. <laughs> and so 
And so, and there needs to be a way that we can kind of like codify what we know and then just make money without thinking like that. That was kind of the original thought. So fast forward, we start working on it. We start developing it. Once we made that decision, I started creating my own strategy and plan to leave the corporate world. And I fell into what I'd probably say is the most common track trap for entrepreneurs that are building something is you have this idea as much as you don't want it to happen. You believe that once you build it, people will come. And it is so, even if you consciously know that that's not how it works, it's so easy to fall into it. Cause I would just sit here and say, Hey man, less what it, once you build this thing, I could sell it. Instead, I should have been saying, let me find the people that I'm selling to as you build it. So guilty of this. <laughs> so, so guilty. It's so, so hard. hard not to so, do it. Yeah, totally. And and so we we launched the platform. So we started building again, another lesson learned. They say if you love your MVP, you worked on it too long. We we worked on it way too long, but we were also working full-time jobs, very busy jobs, you know, and ultimately we were kind of obsessed with the way we were obsessed with the problem, but we're obsessed with how we were going to solve the problem. And so rather than again, building up some type of wait list or interest on that standpoint, we kind of focused on okay, let's get this version of our MVP together and then go to market rather than just putting something to duct tape and seeing if it worked. And so we make this kind of succinct. Late 2021, we kind of asked a group of 30, 30, 30 to 35 friends, hey, test the product. Doesn't make sense. Everyone's like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And we were excited because we were getting great feedback. But at the same time, we were just like, oh, we worked on this too long because a lot of people like it. <laughs> And so we launched, so, so then we finally launched it in February, 2022, we started seeing kind of like a little bit of traction, people joining here and there, but then we had this like, oh crap, we didn't actually develop a full stop, go to market strategy, like an actual plan to like, go get people. And so it was, I would probably say over this last year, it wasn't like we, we realized, oh, we could have done this earlier. It is what it is. We are where we are. How do we start moving more effectively? And so I would, you know, in that kind of long story, I'd probably say that my biggest lessons learned in terms of starting Yensel have been start building an audience and a customer base while you're building the product. I would also say that if you think that your product is going to take you more than I'll be generous in say three months, even if you're working full time, you're building too much. <laughs> Especially um, if it's software. If it's hardware, it's different. But software, I agree. Right. And then lastly, just be open to pivoting. I think we're in this stage where we've we've gotten a lot of people on the platform and they're using it and they're trying it out. And we're still in that agile mindset where it's like, hey, is this is this the version of the product that we envisioned? And that we wanted, is there a pivot to more effectively solve the problem we originally wanted to solve? And that's something that you're always going to have to live with and we'll always have to process. And so, yeah, it's, it's not to be long-winded, but that's probably one of the biggest things. And to also don't fall into the trap of you can't do anything with money without money. 
because mm. there have been a lot of times where in my mind, I'm like, this would be so easier, easier if we raise funds. It's not necessarily true. Yeah. No, I, I literally agree with everything you said and I've made every <laughs> single one of those mistakes. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm an engineer, right? Like, so I could build, I actually could build stuff when I have built stuff in the past. And I found it. I just fall in love with it. And then yeah. no one wants to buy it. And then I'm like, how come no one wants to buy it? I mean, the best example of this was I was telling someone the other day, I, I write these books called the story driven series about, you know, yeah. writing outreach or decks or whatever. And I'm building this thing called get story driven, which is going to be books and classes about, you know, how to use B2B storytelling basically. Right. And I was telling someone the other day, I said, these, you know, these eBooks I created in like a month and not, I mean, I'm not joking. Like, you know, I write, I've written a lot of books, but I like these I created in like a month or two. I go, they sell great <laughs> compared to the ones I've taken a year. And, I'm, yeah. and they're like, well, why is that? And I said, well, those other books were books I wanted to read. These yeah. books are what other people want to read. Exactly. And this, this is, and it's a book, okay? Like mm. whatever, right? But the most, that's the most powerful lesson I've ever learned in entrepreneurship and in marketing and sales. The hardest part is distribution of your product. The hardest part is getting someone to actually pay attention to what you're doing. So for me, what you said about build the audience, get the validation, you know, agile as fast as you can is just so spot on. And, and especially when it comes to software and, and things that are like now democratized. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, okay. People may disagree with this, but you can pretty much build anything in software pretty quickly much. and yeah. cheaply. And the proof point of that is there's over 10,000 MarTech tools. I don't think you need 10,000 MarTech tools. Yeah. <laughs> you really another tool for, I got to learn another MarTech tool. So it's very powerful. And, and how do you think you, how do you think you teach people that? Because I think that is, I mean, like same with career, like, yeah, you got a job, but like you should be planning for the next thing if something happens. How do you think you teach someone the power of early and often getting people feedback and getting, you know, building the list and getting the market nailed down? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I well, obviously I look inward. So how do I learn? I learn best through other people's experience. It's I have three older siblings. My closest sibling's eight years older than me. I kind of grew up with my parents saying, hey, you really have no excuse to make mistakes because you got three examples of what not to do. <laughs> and my, I love my siblings. They're wildly successful. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. And the mistakes that they would say that they made were some of the best mistakes that they made in their lives because they grew from them. So I tend, I tend to walk into, I wouldn't even say walk into, I tend to look at the world as a way for me to learn and see what's works and what doesn't work. So I love your analogy of during the pandemic, we had 50 ways of figuring out 50, 50 experiments on what's going to work. Cause that's exactly how I looked at it. It's like, uh, that definitely didn't work great. I tend to, to process in that, that, that way. So for me, my podcast, the be helpful podcast is very much me learning in a bottle, right? It's. It's me having conversations with entrepreneurs that are potentially one, two, maybe five steps ahead of me. And I can kind of get the real perspective on how they're experiencing it. 
So to answer your question around how do we get people to understand and, and, and embrace this concept of, I would call fast experiments to get real validation on whether or not you should move forward. I would say that you got to find a way to get people to obsess about the problem, not the solution. And my career, my thought about being the business owner has always been around, I just want to start a business. I want to run a business. I want to run a business. If I had changed that slightly and just said, hey, the problem I want to solve is enabling myself and other people to solve the problems they're passionate about, which is ultimately what I love doing. I love talking to people that are passionate about whatever. And I'm just like, okay, well, how can I use my critical thinking to that problem to help you get to this goal? If I had obsessed on how was the best and most effective way for me to use my time to solve that problem, I think that I would have experimented a lot more during my career and found things in a wise and cost-effective and resource-efficient way to like go forward. So maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's, you know, you know, working my, my way into an accelerator as like my career, my job. But I think that if we get people to embrace problems that they're passionate about, rather than obsessing about, I need to get this skill so I can pay my bills. I need to get this skill so that I can make the most money. Just thinking about like, well, I don't like the fact that, you know, I don't know if you care about you know, animals, I don't like the fact that dogs poop on poop on, you know, on the street all the time and dog and dog walkers don't pick it up. That's the problem we want to solve. Okay, cool. We'll obsess over that and spend your, your, your 5 PM to 9 PM thinking about all the ways that you can solve that problem. And if you can solve it on your street, maybe you have an idea where you can solve it on the next street and the next street. And like, just this horrible analogy or example, but like, that's, that's how I think that we get people to, to embrace that. It's like obsess over your problems and like genuinely don't complain about it. Just obsess over the problems and how you could potentially solve them in the short term. Yeah. I oh, know. I think that's a great analogy. I mean, that's the reason why Harvey Milk got elected. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He was obsessed about, fix well, politically obsessed about fixing the dog food problem in San Francisco. There's like a very famous picture of him, you know, doing anyway, any of that. Since it's June, it's Gay Pride Month. Got to throw in a little Harvey Milk, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, just such an interesting guy and also just the way that he approached organizing and community building, et cetera, is, is something that everyone should just really, it's, it's important to learn from those things. It's just fascinating, especially here, right? But the, the other thing, sorry, the other thing that I popped in my mind is someone said this to me and, and I, I think it rings true. If you can find a community of, excuse me, if you can find a community of 10,000 people that are passionate about something, you have a business opportunity, just generally speaking. Like if you can find 10,000 people that will complain about poop on their street, I promise you there's a business opportunity there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it's funny because like, who was I 
talking to, I was reading something about, you know, your first thousand fans, which yeah. I think it was Tim Grawl that did that over at StoryGrid before he was doing StoryGrid. But, you know, as a business, there are these inflection points. There's your first customer, right? Which yeah. is the most powerful thing. Then there's your 10th customer, your 100th customer. And when do you get to a thousand customers? Again, depending on your business. I think to your point, which I like, like, okay, that's starting to get like serious. And then 10,000 people and then 100,000, right? So these orders of magnitude, I think matter. And I like the way you, you, you phrase that because that's not a lot of people. <laughs> it's not a lot of people. And not a lot. And it's doable in terms of like, and I think the thing that, that's also, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, on that, it's, and start with those 10,000. You don't need a million. You don't need this massive, like, oh, I'm going to scale the world. Like, no, like that, I think is the, the focus that matters. And that's such a, again, I wish I knew all these things 20 years ago. I mean, maybe my life wouldn't have been so full and fun of different things, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And part of life, I think, is 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 the it's the quest to figure things out, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. quest to figure things out. I love that. It's 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 just I could not. If you were to ask anyone that knew me five years ago, that hey man, after you, uh, this is what's going to happen to Boyega. Boyega is going to have a kid. And then after his parental leave, he's going to quit his job and he's going to try to start three businesses at the same time. And somehow, some way, he's going to be able to afford diapers. He's going to be able to make sure his wife doesn't divorce him. <laughs> and after that year, he's still going to be optimistic that he can pull this thing off. If you ask anyone that knew me five years ago, they're just like, you're crazy. He's never going to do that. He's wow. too reverse. He's so so. It's it's wow. one of those things where you're just wow. you are just figuring this thing out. And I don't know if I can pinpoint the thing that happened to me over the last four or five years that's made me get to this point. But even if everything fails, I can go back and get a job doing something I care about, and I'm passionate about, and look back on this experience and being like. I learned so freaking much and whatever employer I went to would be, would be getting a much better employee as if I stayed at my big four consulting company the whole time. So it's, it's just, it's just this evolution of experience and just growth that get uncomfortable, be uncomfortable. And I promise you on the other side, you're going to be a better version of yourself. Well, you know what? That's a great way to end it. So thank you so much for being on the show. What a, what a pleasure. Just going to give a shout out to Ravi Karani for introducing us. Um, Absolutely. Always, always love talking to interesting people, especially the journey where you're at. Gosh, wow. Just, yeah. There's hope it, it, for others. <laughs> and, and it's funny. I was, it, uh, I know we're wrapping, but I, someone told me this. I was talking to them the other day and they said, I'm so jealous of where you are in the journey right now. And I was just like, dude, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm supposed to go on a family vacation next week. And I don't even know what day we're flying. Like, I, what are we talking about? He's like, trust me, 
you're in a sweet spot that like, it's just, it, there's just so much reward that comes from the stage that you're in. And so you just try to keep that mindset that, Hey, it's hard. It's you're figuring it out, but at the same time, it's very rewarding and you might not see those rewards right now, but you'll definitely see them on the back end. So, so true. So true. Yeah. Well, have a great vacation and thanks <laughs> for being on the show. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.